Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello, welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I'm Prue Warren, uh, as always, representing those who would wish they could ask stupid questions. I will ask them for you, and I will ask them of my charming co-host. Hi, I am Meredith Bond, and I will do my best to answer them. As I always tell uh, people who take my classes, my last class that I always offer, I offer I always say I will answer all questions, and I do not mean just about the class. I will answer all questions with the caveat that I am a writer of fiction. (laughs) You may ask me anything, and I will give you an answer. Whether it is true or not, I cannot cannot speak to that. (laughs) I like that answer. Usually what I say is, I'll answer any question you've got, but I will lie. (laughs) what I say is I will make something up and that seems to be equally satisfying so so Prue uh last week we talked about the beginning of a book yes we did so this week we're going to talk about the end of a book sometimes you come across a book that has that ends on a cliffhanger and may I say Oh boy, you better warn people before they start because I am always infuriated when I get to the end of the book and realize we're not even close to done yet. Oh, I cannot agree more. And I think it's even worse on an e-reader because really? when I'm reading when I'm reading a physical book, my hands know how close I am to the end. I can see with my eyes how close I am to the end. I can feel it. And so when things aren't wrapping up well, I I, I'm, I'm understanding that fact. On an e-reader, unless I look at the bottom and it says 97% done, and I'm like, this obviously is not going to conclude satisfactorily in that short amount of time. Unless I notice that, I turn to the last page and it says to be continued. And I want to, you know, smack a bitch. I mean, that's just, that's really annoying. That's really annoying. I cannot, I cannot agree more. I made the mistake of buying a book once that ended on a cliffhanger. And so I thought, uh, okay, so I bought the next book. That one also ended on a cliffhanger. Shahrazad, you were Shahrazad. You were I can't I can't kill my wife until she finishes this good story, right? Well, I no, I'm sorry, but after the second one, I I said some nasty words about that author and never bought another one of her books. That's right. Never bought another one of her books, not just didn't buy the third one, but didn't buy. I had that problem with a book I was reading where the story was pretty good and she ended it on a cliffhanger that was pretty significant. I didn't see how this was going to be resolved. And when I got to the end and it said, check out my next book coming in a year, I said, no, I'm not checking out your next book. You've made me too angry. So even though the book was good, that's it. She's done. She's dead to me. So God, be careful when you're writing a cliffhanger, girls and boys. Note that. Yes, absolutely. Now, if you do warn your audience first, then I think it's fine because they know what they're going to get into. So 
For example, if you don't mind, I have a trilogy that is one continuous story Mm -hmm. and it does, it does not, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger, but the story is not complete. Right. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. And you know it. So I think I say in the book description that this is three books split up. This is one story split up into three books. This is, this is what I think. And this is a sign of how publishing has changed over the last decade. I believe that there are so many people who are binge readers who will not get started until it's done. That if you put in, this is a cliffhanger, you may save your soul with your, with your readers, but you will also tell people, wait till I publish the third one and then buy them all. I think you will delay. I think if you're going to write a cliffhanger, you better put them all out at once. I think, oh yeah. I think all three of them at once on KU. <laughs> and I, I, I have to say that the, the box set of this series sells better than the individual books. Right, 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 right. Because once people know there's a cliffhanger, you people like resolution. People want a good ending. Absolutely. I have a question for you um, about epilogues, but as I as I understand it, you've got a list of things you must and must not do. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm very interested in hearing. <laughs> so I did some research on this. Um, bad endings to avoid. Okay. <laughs> Making a list. Uh, the first one is a drawn out dream. If the entire book, when you get to the end, is somebody waking up from a dream, your reader is going to slam that book shut and say, what the fuck? <laughs> that, is, that is unsatisfying. That is truly unsatisfying. That is so unsatisfying. I think the, uh, the first time I ever came across it was, did you ever watch Saint Elsewhere? No, I never did. It ended with someone holding a snow globe and shaking it and making snowfall on the hospital. It was all supposed to be taking place inside. And it was like, yeah, now you've just pissed me off. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think and on a drawn out dream, it better be because the hero was an opium addict and was dreaming away. And then there better be a long rest, rest of the book where he deals with his addiction or something. Right. Don't, don't end your book on a dream. Right. It was all a dream. Another one is the guilty hero's monologue. When the hero finally defeats the bad guy or the bad force, I suppose they say, um, the reader is privy to their thoughts of regret or remorse. I think well, that that's true with maybe some mysteries. I also think if deftly handled, it wouldn't necessarily be bad because it would be the evolution of a character, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't literally end on that. I mean, yeah. there has to be, well, I don't know. Oprah's book club is full of books that leave you feeling depressed and sad and miserable. So isn't that, you know, if you're writing an Oprah's book club book, go ahead end it depressed and sad and miserable, full <laughs> of remorse and guilty. Not, it's not my idea of a good time. No. And, and here's a good one for romance writers. If you have an enemies to lovers romance and they are enemies throughout 99% of the book and then all of a sudden on the last page realize that they are madly in love with each other, uh, nah. Nah, nah. I need, I need a little more joy there. Yeah. I 
and I need character evolution. I need those yeah. people to go together slowly and organically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And so along with that is the, where the heck did that come from ending? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the code to the secret language. I've got it. Story over. <laughs> right. <laughs> They also say that uh, here's an ending which apparently Stephen King is the master of, and everybody died. <laughs> no, they're wrong. No, 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 that's not Big Steve. No, no. Actually, I think that uh, I truly take exception to that because I think one of the things that makes Stephen King such a good writer is that his endings are so satisfying. He, oh, yeah? He, oh, he walks you along a cliff all night until you're reading at four in the morning and the whole world is dead except you. And then there is a resolution that is tremendously satisfying. He writes a great ending. For a while, I used to read Stephen King and an author named Dean Koontz. Mm -hmm. And Dean Koontz wrote a great story. But then like 98% of the way through the story, he would get bored and decide he was done. And then he'd just kill everybody off. There'd be a resolution. Goodbye. I've got to go. And it was frustrating and I left him behind, but, but boy, I'll read anything Stephen King writes. Okay. I think so this is a quote that I, that I got from somebody saying, saying King is the master of suspense, but that doesn't mean he's the master of endings. When I read a King book, I feel drawn in by the concept, pulled in by the story until the 90% mark. At that point, nothing has changed. I'm still hanging on to my seat, waiting to see who dies and who lives. And then, bam, something random happens. And more likely than not, almost everyone dies. And he said, this is basically how a King story goes. The stand, which has a deus ex machina ending. It does. And it, this, the book, it, yeah. is a bit better, but I still don't quite understand how they beat it. He said Carrie is also another exception to that role. Oh, God. The ending of Carrie is just so fucking good. All of the, I love all three of those books. I find all three of them have extraordinarily satisfying endings. I yeah, think he said those are the three that are good, but other ones have a problem. I would be very interested if, if our listener agrees or disagrees. Everybody's read Stephen King, except you. Except me. <laughs> I think his endings are exceptional. I think he's a tremendous craftsman. He's got great endings. Great endings. So I wonder if anybody agrees or disagrees. Tell us! Another one to avoid is the off-tone ending. And this one is described as the one that comes to mind is Crime and Punishment, a very long, very, very dour, very full of murderous religious Russians who worry about Jesus a lot. Proceed with caution. It's obviously quite a thoughtful and melancholy book. So why is the epilogue full of hope? The main character is literally in a Siberian prison. He has spent the last million pages being all morose and kind of a drag. And yet now all he, it, now he's all smiley and thinking about his true love incessantly. And it doesn't fit. And that's really interesting. I've never read Crime and Punishment. Me neither. I don't uh-huh. I don't read the a book that's more than a thousand pages long. What? How can you say that? <laughs> um my no. only the only exception was, was Doctor Strange. Uh not Doctor Strange, uh Doctor uh Strange. Jonathan Strange. Oh Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Um, Mr. Norrell. A book that's a thousand pages, if it's a well told story, is not long enough. <laughs> 
I love a long book. If you get sucked in, you want more at the end. Oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm, 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 I'm shaking. I'm shaking my head. And you, a teacher of literature. Oh, Mary, Mary, tell me who hurt you. Show me on the doll. That's, that is so sad. Okay. But if you have a sad, sad book, then it should have a sad, sad ending. If you have a happy, happy book, it should not end sadly. So the whole point is that the ending should fit the rest of the book. If well, you take I'd... one of your romantic comedies and suddenly have it end on a dour <laughs> note, you are going to have a lot of really pissed off readers. <laughs> okay, I do have an equivalent. But first, I will say that here that I think that I wish I'd read Crime and Punishment because I wonder if the character doesn't go through an evolution that allows him to feel hope by the end that he couldn't feel in the beginning. I mean, is that so bad? No, that would be fine because then you would be seeing that evolution throughout the book. He would right. have moments of happiness and hope, right. or at least okay. hope. But I do have, I have one that I can, here's here's my equivalent to crime and punishment. <laughs> you can have Dostoevsky, or you can have a 1980s Tom Hanks movie called Turner and Hooch, mm-hmm. in which... He has a great big dog. He's a police officer. He has a great big dog. They go through hilarious hijinks. The dog is hysterical. The dog saves the day. Tom Hanks saves the day. We fall in love with the vet. It's charming. And then Booch dies at the end. <gasps> like, no, 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 no. Oh that's my gosh. Bad. That's bad. I don't like dogs dying at the end of any book, but at this movie, ninety-eight percent of it is how funny this dog is, and then the dog dies. And the fact that the dog dies and then puppies are born hooch's puppies are born i'm not that's not good enough for me so i would that's that's my equivalent to crime and punishment that's my modern day not very educated version of crime and punishment there you go absolutely (laughs) no you cannot kill a dog in a book i'm sorry please don't please don't although god so many people do that obviously there are going to be our listener who is an author is going i'm killing a dog on page four Right. I mean, <laughs> if you got to do it, you got to do it. But I will tell you that if I know that the dog dies at the end or in the middle or the beginning, I'm not picking it up. But that's me personally. That's yeah. me personally. I don't like I don't like ultra dark. I don't like a dead dog. That's so sad. Yeah. Okay. And the last one is something that I have been accused of, which is ending too soon. Oh, the Dean Koontz theory. Now I'm bored. <laughs> is that right? Is that what ending too soon means? Let me uh, quickly look and see what they say. You're, it says, uh, this one's pretty self-evident. You're getting totally into the book. Things are coming to a point. The stakes are higher than ever. And there is so much tension. And that's where it ends. The thing's <laughs> unresolved. Well, I wonder if that's not the equivalent of the cliffhanger that we were talking about before we began the list. It is. I think with my books... People complained that they ended too soon because a lot of romance novels will have the marriage proposal and then there'll be another chapter of congratulations and and running through the streets screaming yay and and being all lovey-dovey and crap. Right. And I will frequently or have frequently ended the book at the marriage proposal. Oh, I see. So you don't give me a chance to bask in the happy glow. Exactly. Well, let me ask you this, because this was my next, this was the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. And that is yes. the subject of 
epilogues. Exactly. So I thought that's why I left this one for last, because it does work very nicely into your concept, uh, into the concept of epilogue. Yeah. Yeah. Do you write epilogues? No, not usually. I have, but not usually. What do you use as your reader lure to get people to sign up for your newsletter? I have actually, I have a compilation, an anthology of short stories that are the backstory of my characters. But not the epilogue. Not the epilogue. Because currently I have, okay, all right. For all four of the books in the Ampersand series, uh, I give what I hope is a happy ending and I conclude Mm -hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. But but the the reader lure, please sign up for my newsletter, is an epilogue that ties up a few loose ends from the story that are not that are not necessary. If you don't read the epilogue, it's not that you have missed out on something, but there is it's an epilogue purely for reader satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I use that. Sign up for my newsletter and I'll send you the epilogue uh, and then you can unsubscribe if you want to. I don't care. Um, and it has, I, I don't know if it's been successful. I have 580 readers, I mean, newsletter subscribers. So I think it's a good lure. I hope it's a good lure. But I've been, I was talking with Mindy Glasky, my other mentor, who said that she's, her understanding is that if you say to someone, download, sign up for my newsletter and download the epilogue for that final bite of juicy deliciousness. And here's the next book in the series. Now I've offered the reader two options at the end of the book. And if you offer someone two options, you decrease the response rate. If there's only one thing to do, people will more likely to do it. But if you give them, would you like A or B? They're sometimes paralyzed and do neither. Huh. So I'm, I'm just wondering about the value of a strong ending and then an epilogue that is a reader lure. I mean, there's just a lot going on here. And I thought it's appropriate to talk about for the end. Right. What do you think? I don't think, I mean, your reader lure is the is to, te- to offer them the epilogue. If right. you sign up for my newsletter, you get the epilogue to this book. Right. 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 And then after that pitch, you have your teaser for the next book, right? Yeah. Okay. So she's saying that there are two things that you're asking people to do. Sign up your newsletter and buy the next book. Right. But all of us do that. I mean, we may not be offering an epilogue, but we are all asking readers to do two different things. We are all saying... She puts puts her newsletter sign-up request at the front of the book. So that nothing happens at the back other than read the next book in the series or read my next book. Huh? No, I have mine in the back. So you do newsletter and next book asks after it says the end. Yes. I immediately follow with read the next book. And then after that, if you enjoyed this book, sign up for my newsletter and you'll get the backstory of these characters and the others in the series. Okay, now let me ask you this question. (laughs) Wait, but wait, there's more. How much would you pay now? There apparently was a time when Amazon was annoyed if you included the first chapter of the next book. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never. Mindy no longer puts the first chapter of her next book in each book because 
there was a phase. You know, Amazon goes through these. Amazon's kind of a moody team. You, you, you don't always know what you're getting when you when you log in. There was a time when Amazon got mad if people were reading the book, came to the end, and there's still 10% of the book left to read because you've included the first chapter of the next book. That apparently ticked Amazon off. Never heard that. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Good, because that's what I've done in my books, is I've included the next chapter of the following book in, in the hopes that it would you know, draw you in. Do you do that? Or do you just say, my next book is, you can buy it here? Do you do the first chapter of your next book? I don't do the full chapter, unless it's a really short chapter. I only do a few pages up to, you know, something juicy. A cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. <laughs> or that's where the cliffhanger is appropriate. Right. <laughs> so I don't put in the full chapter. I, I stop it after a couple pages. Well, that's interesting. And And is that because you don't want to tick off Amazon or is it because you think it's a better cliffhanger than the end of chapter one? I think it's better cliffhanger. I think it's, it's tastier. It's a control issue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've also, I've also in mutterings heard that some people believe that if you give people the first chapter of the next book or the first few pages, of the next book, when they actually get around to reading the next book, they open it and go, I've read this before and put it down, which seems to me to be a little, um, insulting to the reader's intelligence but yes there's just a there's just a thought for you listener to see if you can't uh see what you think about that see what you think about that when you and i did beginnings mary i had 15 books on my desk because there were 15 books with with beginnings that were memorable gorgeous slippery that sucked me in and there are classic beginnings like it was the worst of times, it was the best of times. There are there are books that people know the opening line to. Absolutely. I cannot think of a single instance of a memorable last line. Huh. That is fascinating. And I went, I thought my mother used to say she would conclude an argument by saying, Reader, I married him, which was apparently from Jane Eyre. And I was under the impression that Jane Eyre's last line was reader i married him which is a pretty good closing line yeah but just looked up jane Eyre, and it's not the, <laughs> that's not the last line so my mom done me wrong i think there are memorable opening lines i think the opening line draws you in like a fish hook but by the time you're at the ending you're not looking for a memorable line you're looking for the feeling of uh i've just had a delicious meal i'm full and happy and sated I I think it's not necessarily I'm full, I'm happy, I'm sated. I think a lot of times the the end of the book just makes you stop and wonder what's happening to these people next. Well, that's true. When I'm really loving a book, when I finish it, I think I don't want to leave this world. Exactly. I don't want to leave this world. I've become good friends with these people and I don't want to leave their lives at this wonderful point. So, I mean, I have had, when my first few books came out uh, that were published with Kensington, way, 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 way back in the dark ages, I literally had people write to me, physically, physical write, written letters that I have kept someplace that say, after the end of the book, this is what happened. And people have written to me their own epilogues. 
You've got fan fiction. People have written fan fiction about your book. I mean, not long. They just say afterwards, Julian and, and Cassandra have this many children and they and they go back and they live at his estate and, and they raise them and they're a happy family. It's like, okay, if that's what you want to happen, then that's what happens. Well, does that, does that, oh gosh, does it tell you that you're writing too short? That there, that there is that last little bite that yeah. juice aren't there, you could a little more juice out? Absolutely. It could be because I didn't put in that epilogue, because I didn't put in that that happy little juicy bit at the end. But it's also because the people fell in love with the characters and and wanted to imagine a happily ever after for them that I didn't expound on. Well, I wonder if that's like this the longing for resolution. You know, you you play seven notes of a scale and don't play that final resolving note. It drives right. people insane and someone will sing it. If you're in a crowd and you play seven notes of a scale, someone will sing the eighth because people require resolution. So I wonder if you writing just a little bit short doesn't, you know, isn't the grit of sand in the oyster that produces the pearl, right? Because they go and buy the next book. Right. Possibly you are expanding your readership. If you don't, if you do it just such a slight lack of resolution, that you're not making people angry, but you are making them. I gotta fin. I gotta. I gotta see. I gotta go back into that world. I'll buy the next book. Yeah, I have to say that one book that I did add such an epilogue to the the heroine's whole problem throughout the book was that she's terif- she was terrified of having babies because mm-hmm. so many women died right. in childbirth. Fair enough. And. So she didn't want to get married because then she might get pregnant and then she would die. Right. That was that was her fear. And at the end of that book, I did write an, and put in an epilogue showing her happily with two kids. A little final satisfaction. Yes. To show that of, she didn't die. Right. Was it was it part of a series? <laughs> yeah, that was part of my Ladies Wagering Mist Society. And how did sales of the next book do? I mean, did you notice any difference in sales between the one before and the one after? No. Uh, once people had gotten into that world, they wanted to stay in it. Yeah, I, I should hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, they obviously did. They obviously did. Huh. Well, I think that's I think that's interesting. But I think you'd have to be pretty deft to leave a little bit of of happily ever after on the table. To leave a little bit to the imagination, but not enough so that it angered people. Right. Yeah. You have to be pretty careful. I love I, in each case on my, on my stories, I've written what I thought was satisfying conclusion. And then the epilogue tied up something that was sort of like, Oh shit, I forgot about that guy. What happened next? <laughs> uh, and I found all four of them to be satisfying to me personally. I, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, a, that that's tidy. So I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed writing, but of course I don't know what epilogue people need when they finish a book. So when you sign up for my newsletter, what you actually get is a link that says, go to this secret page and pick the epilogue of your choice. So you can download the epilogue of any book you want. So that way I don't have to keep continually updating my reader lure, but I think it's the sort of thing that only a novice writer can do because I only have four books out. Right. Well, the fifth one, the fifth one's out, but has no epilogue. So 
I'm wondering how long I can sustain it. Well, I'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but but it's an interesting thought as to whether at the end of the book, if you have both, uh, here's the beginning of, or here's a teaser for my next book and your pitch for your newsletter, if that confuses people or stymies them into inaction. You know what? I can actually, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just had a little electrical impulse in my brain. I'm, 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 I'm flashing the next series. I'm writing all three at once because they have interconnected scenes. The idea I, I, I borrowed from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to release all three of them on KU at the same time. So I think what I'll do is the first one is going to say, here's the same story, but from this person's point of view, and what happened to her? The second one will say, here's the same story, but from this person's point of view, what happened to her? And the third one will say, here's the epilogue, right? <laughs> so instead of saying, download the epilogue and buy my book, that's only going to be buy my book, buy my book, download the epilogue. There'll only be one epilogue for the three because they're coming out at the same time. And if you want to know what happens next, there's a whole book. It's all ready. It's all done. (laughs) I can satisfy the binge reader and the individual reader. Oh, I'm very contented. Very content. Very content. (laughs) Well done. Experiment here. (laughs) What happens after the end? I think that's going to be very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, very good. (laughs) And very pleased by this concept because it does allow me to to test this theory that you don't want to give people two things at the end of your book. You only want to give them one thing. So this is, I'll, let's see what happens. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm very pleased. I feel like, I feel like a problem I hadn't realized existed has now been solved. Oh, yay. All right. Very good. Um, um, one more quick note on the yeah. fact that Mindy puts her, her newsletter teaser at the beginning of her book. Yep. Um, we were talking about the look inside feature. Yes. That takes up pages. That, yes, it does. That yes. newsletter pitch takes up a page from your look inside. Yes, it does. It surely does. That's exactly right. That's that exactly gives right. the reader less to read when they're deciding whether to buy the book. I should ask her. We should ask her. We'll ask her back. Tell me who wrote the article you've been quoting from so that we can give him credit, even though I disagreed with him on Stephen King. I did not write down where I got this bad endings to avoid. And the person who who expounded on Stephen King was a random person on Quora. Oh, so it's a random. We are. <laughs> I mock him. I mock him. I have scorn. I have so scorn. sorry. <laughs> okay. But the article you were reading was bad endings to avoid. Yes. Uh, I'll see if I can find uh, where I found it and send you a link. Uh, Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes for anybody who wants it. And we apologize to the author of bad endings to avoid for not being cite their name on the podcast. Absolutely. My fault. And I do apologize. All right. Good. Next week, we're going to talk about a topic that I find challenging. So girl, you're on repeating motifs. Yeah, that is so, so interesting. It sort of goes along with theme but not really. Okay. Can you, I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Can you give me a homework assignment? Is there a, is there a, I mean, can I go and read this book and see if you notice a repeating motif? Oh God. No. Okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about Hang it. On. Don't worry. Let me see if I have anything in my notes. I was in a book club once until they started reading too many Oprah book club books. And then I was like, I don't wish to be 
brought down, I wish to be elevated. And we read The Quiet American, which is very highbrow for me. Uh, <laughs> and I noticed the motif of chairs. There was chair, uh, where you sat was an indication of power. So I think it's very interesting, this concept of repeating motifs. And I am going to, in my reading in the next week, I'm going to see if I notice anything, but I okay. don't read it. I do have one book that you might want to look into. I okay. have not read this whole book. I've only read the beginning of it. And I actually, I should read the entire book, but it's called The Beach House by okay. Mary Alice Monroe. Okay. All right. Good. I'm going to put a link. Uh, I'll, I'll link to it in Amazon in the show notes for any reader who wants to read along with us. And next week, Mary and I will discuss it on the subject of repeating motifs. Yeah. I'll do my best to to read as much of it as I can. I've got a lot of actual editing, editing real work to do, but I will I will do my best. Do your best. It'll be interesting. It'll be uh, nice to have a little assignment. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, I'm going to go read something, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, Prue. Have a good week. Bye, Mary. You too. That's it for the writer's block party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Thank you.